This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. Last month, one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges, FTX, filed for bankruptcy. The FTX empire was meant to revolutionise cryptocurrency, and the young chief executive behind it, Sam Bankman-Fried, was hailed as a genius. Administrators are now tasked with unravelling the chaotic web of companies Bankman-Fried and his co-founders owned, and a million creditors wait to see if they'll get back any money they invested. That includes around 30,000 Australian customers, some of whom likely invested on the basis they thought that FTX and its cryptocurrency business was regulated in Australia. But it's not. Today, FTX and the wild west of cryptocurrency in Australia. It's Tuesday, the 6th of December. So, Josh, you've been following the crash of cryptocurrency platform FTX and how it's affected Australian investors in particular. Can you just give us an idea of the scale of this story and this collapse? Well, to get a sense of it, you know Enron, the company that was responsible for the most notorious and largest corporate collapses in US history? Josh Taylor is a reporter for Guardian Australia. Uh, Well, the guy who is now responsible for uh, administering FTX now that it's collapsed was previously in charge of the Enron collapse, and he said he's never seen anything of the scale of FTX. Wow. (laughs) So it's worth the hype. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars lost with a substantial portion of assets held by FTX missing with allegations. Some may have even been stolen. These allegations are currently being investigated by the authorities. Uh, It's estimated that the company has around 1 million creditors with reported 30,000 customers here in Australia, although the extent of the losses is not yet fully known because of allegedly poor management and record keeping. Tell me about the person behind FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, and why his company collapsed. Well, he's known as SBF for short. He's a bit of a wonderkind crypto type of person who, up until a couple of weeks ago, was said to be the richest young person in the world before it all came crashing down. He's he, you know, he's marketed what he did on this whole notion of effective altruism, where you give as much as as you can to what is the most effective ways of improving the world. He was a big donor to political parties, and that was in part to get crypto regulated. Um, he wanted to be seen as basically the the good person in crypto, trying to get it to be looking good and, and being very, very uh, regulated and all that sort of stuff. The philanthropic good crypto bro, essentially. Yeah, yeah. He had investments in a lot of philanthropic projects and even the media as well. He's a vegan, uh, but while he's trying to project this image of you know wanting to get the industry regulated and everything like that, his company is residing in the Bahamas, which is known for its tax haven status for a lot of businesses that choose to move there. And, and, and when it comes to the crash, uh, the investigation is still ongoing. This is being called the worst disaster in the history of crypto. Essentially, there's this hedge fund firm called Armada, and it held a large share of its assets in FTT, which is a token created by FTX. And there are reports that FTX have been lending billions of dollars in customer deposits to Armada. The crypto market in chaos after the collapse of the FTX exchange with a new set of questions on where billions and billions of dollars went. And when people got wind of how this arrangement was working, it felt like a bit like a house of cards. And then people started to pull their money out and it all fell apart. A cryptocurrency company, you know, like the Bitcoin things, just lost its customers' money. It's just gone. Do we know if any laws were broken? 
by FTX yet. I think that is what the administrators both uh, here and overseas are starting to work through. We haven't really heard anything. Um, However, last week, uh, SBF, in an interview with the New York Times, denied knowingly misusing cryptocurrency clients' funds. I didn't ever uh, try to commit fraud on anyone. In the interview, he took responsibility as CEO, but blamed huge management failures and sloppy accounting for the collapse. In terms of the accounting mistake, looking through what happened, I think that there is a substantial discrepancy between what the financials were, what the audited financials were, the true financials, um, what the exchange understood, all of that was was, was, was consistent, um, versus what the dashboards that we had displayed. So Sam Bankman-Free created FTX as a cryptocurrency exchange. Can you explain what a cryptocurrency exchange is and how FTX worked? So it, it operates on a number of functions. If it basically means that if you want to be able to get hold of some cryptocurrency, you need to transfer from uh, you know existing money, uh, what they call fiat, uh, so that would be US dollars, Australian dollars and things like that, through an exchange like FTX, which operates like a bureau to change trading currencies at a floating exchange rate. FTX's exchange offered that service and the company took a cut of every transaction, but the big bucks were in the more aggressive trading on the international exchange where traders could try and profit from swings in the price of crypto assets, borrowing money to increase their potential earnings. Uh, The more complex the trade, the bigger the cut they got. Like exchanging money at the airport except online and for cryptocurrency. It's basically like if you were wanting to say, I'm about to go buy something uh, and I need 10 Bitcoin. So you go, here's <laughs> 10 Bitcoin is a lot of money. <laughs> um, but it's basically like, here's, here's tens of thousands of Australian dollars. Please give me 10 Bitcoin. So that's basically how it works. So there's 30,000 Australians who have lost money here, Josh. Can you tell me about them and how much money they have lost? I've heard personally from people who've lost as much as $60,000, but uh, the administrators have said there's people who've lost up to a million dollars in Australia. So there's, there's quite a lot of people who've lost a lot of money. Um, some of them are really seasoned crypto investors. Um, some of the people that I spoke to said that they viewed their losses as the cost of investing, especially when it comes to crypto. It's not the sort of thing that you can rely on being all that safe. Another one I spoke to saw it as uh, what had happened as the fault of the exchange itself, but still very much believed in crypto as a concept. So there's kind of sophisticated investors who are used to investing in cryptocurrency who lay different measures of blame on cryptocurrency as a market and on the exchange. Are there people who are less sophisticated though? Yeah, there are definitely people who were um, pulled into the investment and hadn't really sort of had much to do with crypto before. Uh, One person I spoke to, uh, we we call her Mary, Uh, it's not her real name. So Mary works as a cleaner and she says she'll struggle to pay rent and uh, pay for Christmas expenses after losing almost US $5,000 of investments with uh, FTX. She said, uh, I hope FTX take action to refund me my money. I'm not a rich person. How did investors like Mary and tens of thousands of other Australian investors get wrapped up in FTX in the first place? So FTX has Australian businesses. It has a couple of businesses that operates in Australia. Uh, One is called FTX Australia. Another one is called FTX Express. Uh, there are rules and laws and regulations that govern the financial services industry in Australia. And FTX had what's called an Australian financial services license. And so on paper, it all looks above board. They're allowed to operate. But what I've discovered is 
the company bypassed the regular process for obtaining a financial services license in Australia, and the industry regulator did not assess its fitness to hold one in the lead up to company's collapse. How did they bypass the regular process for a big financial company in Australia? What is that process? When you register for an Australian Financial Services Licence, or AFSL for short, you go through tests to make sure that you're a fit and proper company. That means you can offer financial advice and certain financial products, but it doesn't actually cover cryptocurrency. Uh, When a company takes over another company that already holds an AFSL, that check isn't redone. FTX took over a company called IFS Markets that already held a licence, and IFS itself had been given the license by the takeover of another company called Forex Financial Services the year before. So this is a bit of a shortcut to go to market. God, it's really a babushka doll of companies and the actual license kind of sits at the the heart there. Is this an issue that Australian authorities are aware of, that financial licenses are kind of just being bought and sold, really, to anyone who has the money? ASIC told us that the Corporations Act required a company like FTX to notify the regulator when taking over a license, but ASIC does not approve a change in control or receive material to reassess the business model or compliance with the Corporations Act or license conditions. So it's like, just let us know, essentially. Yeah, and it's been known as a loophole to ASIC for a number of years, and there was a change in the law in 2020 to allow ASIC to request information of licensees to make sure that they're all fit and proper, but ASIC indicated that assessment is not automatic when a license changes owner. It's basically they have to have a reason to do so. What is the problem with something like FTX having this license in Australia? So the license would have allowed FTX to provide financial advice and offer other non-crypto products such as foreign exchange contracts or trading derivatives, but it doesn't actually cover cryptocurrency itself. And while a lot of investors might read the fine print and know that it doesn't cover crypto, there might be some punters out there who see the Uh, AFSL and think that they're covered for cryptocurrency exchanges as well. So it gives the company a bit more credibility than it actually has. So people might see that a company has this license and think the regulator has checked this company out, they've got the right processes in place, I can invest my money here. I, I think a lot of people would know that you can't sort of guarantee any investment, that's why it's an investment in the first place. But I think a lot of people would think, well, if something goes wrong, horribly wrong, the government will step in or you know, there's, there's proper proper audits and checks done to make sure that this company is, is in the right place to be offering this advice and, and having a cryptocurrency exchange in the first place. And to be clear, that's not what's happening with AFSLs. They are not licensed for cryptocurrency exchanges. Next, is it time to regulate cryptocurrency? Is it possible for a cryptocurrency exchange to obtain one of these financial service licences through the regular path, which would involve this fit and proper check by ASIC? So they they can if they're offering products that are non-cryptocurrency. So if they're offering financial advice or derivatives in addition to the cryptocurrency exchange, then they can. But as far as I can tell, based on my research, no cryptocurrency exchange that's operating in Australia has gone through the front door in obtaining an an AFSL. They've all gone through this uh, process of taking over another company. Right, so there's others who have done this. Yeah, so for example, Crypto.com, which is one of the other big uh, exchanges, acquired the card group, 
when I asked them about this, they said that was more to do with uh, the card group having a relationship with Visa already, and that allowed them to launch a Visa card in Australia. But uh, the card group also had an AFSL. Binance, which is one of the other large ones, they recently acquired, I think in April this year, an AFSL by taking up another company as well. So if cryptocurrency isn't regulated under this licensing system in Australia, how are they regulated? Are they regulated at all here? So cryptocurrency exchanges are not regulated in Australia beyond New York customer laws, which are designed to counter money laundering, and they have to register with Austrac in Australia, and this is similar worldwide. Uh, the IMF has said that most countries are in the early stages of regulating cryptocurrency. So they said that at one extreme, authorities have prohibited or the issuance of holding crypto assets by residents or limited the ability to transact in them. But on the other end, some countries are trying to get more people to come into the, the country and, and welcome the development of the market. So no one's sort of having a, a consistent response to crypto at the moment. Yeah, everyone's kind of wrangling with the same question over the future of crypto in, in their country. I mean, why has it been able to evade regulation this whole time, though, Josh? Because it does involve money exchanging hands, even if it is a digital currency. I think that's the thing about crypto. One of the key reasons why a lot of people were keen on it in the early days was that it was about decentralizing financial markets and not not having a currency tied to a particular country or anything like that. And that makes it much harder to regulate and, and a lot of people don't want it regulated. But it seems like regulation is the path that we're going down. And a lot of experts uh, I've spoken to basically say that we should be proceeding down this because this is the path ahead. Treat it like any other financial market, essentially. So what is the current thinking around regulating cryptocurrency in Australia from Australian authorities? So we're still in the very early stages of, of regulating it. Prior to the Morrison government being kicked out, they had commissioned a, a consultation about potential legislative frameworks for how that would work. And when the Albanese government came into power, they launched another review and abandoned the original review. But I think the collapse of FTX has probably spurred the government into action and we'll probably see something uh, happen not in the too distant future. Are Australian investors going to see any of their money in the future? Uh, so the Australian Securities and Investment Commission suspended the AFSL for the FTX Australia when it went into administration, when the US company also went into administration. As to whether customers will get their money back, it's really hard to say at the moment. The collapse of FTX is what's known as a solvency crisis, which means they don't have the money that they claim to. And the company is currently in administration. And during that process, they work out what money and assets they have, and then the order of who should get the money first, and then ultimately divvy it up. Locally, the company has around $42 million in cash that they've been able to secure. So we'll need to see what happens with that. But for a lot of customers who had their cryptocurrency essentially stored on the exchange in cryptocurrency, they will probably have to deal with the US administrators. So that might be a much harder for them to actually get their money back. And customers got their first chance to put some questions to the administrators on the 1st of December at the first creditors meeting. And the company said that it received more than a thousand emails from affected customers. And the main question that we heard in that particular meeting was, will they get the money back? And so far, the only answer we have is that some people will get their money back, but no one is going to get everything. So Josh, over the last 10 years, cryptocurrency has kind of gone from this 
obscure novelty that not many people knew about to this phenomenon. You know, some people even say that it could replace traditional currencies around the world in the future. That vision does seem to be fading, though. We've seen crashes like this FTX crash. We've seen so many crypto scams. What do you see as the future of crypto as someone who reports on this space? So the US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen described the FTX crash as the Lehman Brothers moment for crypto. So that precipitated the global financial crisis. And we can see the the flow-on effects that we're seeing now in, in other cryptocurrency companies and in the market itself, that there has been a major crisis in confidence in crypto. And for something that you know is mostly built on confidence, uh, it's really, really hard to see when crypto might actually get out of this and when people might feel safe about investing in it again. There will always be people who want to invest in it and, and want to, I guess, push cryptocurrency. Um, my personal view is that just in terms of the rise of the scams we're seeing around crypto and things like that, um, it's not really a great place for a lot of people to be right now. Um, we'll have to wait and see what the future may hold, but I think it's currently in a, in a stage where a lot of people, ordinary punters who are getting into it might be rethinking and that might actually make it a lot difficult to keep it going. But, you know, there's always going to be people who are trying to push this sort of stuff, so we'll see. Mm, long live the crypto bros. Yeah, we'll definitely be hearing a lot more from them in the future, I can imagine. That was Josh Taylor, a reporter at Guardian Australia. You can read his feature on FTX and its Australian creditors at theguardian.com. It's titled, I am not a rich person. 30,000 Australian FTX customers left out of pocket after collapse. We've also put a link to that on the full story page as well. This episode was produced by Joey Watson and Ellen Lee Beta. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producer for this episode was Gabrielle Jackson. Okay, catch you tomorrow.